Welcome back to the Roadie Medic Podcast. The podcast about the people that make up the life of live events. Today our tour takes us into the minds of psychedelic rock band Goldray, the creative playground for singer Leah Rasmussen and former Reef guitarist Ken Winhouse. As always, I'm Dr. Aaron Castro, your roadie medic. Today we're going to talk psychedelia and delve into the minds of the touring artist. So thank you for listening. Merci, shukran e obrigado to the global listeners out there. This week, guys, you're going to love it. If you're fans of Reef, curious about life on tour, or if you like prog rock and psychedelic rock, then the next 30 minutes are for you. Right now you're listening to Eyes, a song by Goldray from their last album. And it gets better because I will be playing an exclusive from their new album, Feel the Change, later on. The new album is out 31st of July, and you can pre-order it already on goldrayband.com. If you can't wait till then, the double A side is out. So why don't you go and check it out there? Before we get into it, why are we talking psychedelia and the mind of the touring artist? Well, I've been drawn to psych since I was a teen. Although at the time I probably didn't know, for some reason it's something that resonates with me. Maybe it's because of the cross-cultural influences, instruments that are instrumental to the sound. It was the soundtrack to the 60s counterculture. And for me, it remains the music of fellow contrarians out there. There's just something about it. Hard to pin down, encapsulate. And that is its nature. I'm drawn in by the fusion of Delta Blues sliding up against futuristic guitars, blurring enigmatic vocals with the odd reverbing sitar. Now, without having to take LSD, mescaline or psilocybin mushrooms, music with a psychedelic influence has played a massive part in my life. Whether it was coming of age as a teen, listening to magazines My Tulpa, or walking down the aisle to Ananda Shankar's version of the Rolling Stones' Jumping Jack Flash. Psych, music, psychedelia has played a part, and I'm going to share that with you today. So let's now meet Goldray as they guide us through this vast soundscape with their soaring vocals, hypnotic melodies, badass crunchy guitars, and grounding ostinatos. Casting genres and labels aside, for the next 30 minutes, let's talk about the music that, for a moment, allows us to separate the ego from self. This is Goldray and Psychedelic Rock on the Roadie Medic Podcast. So guys, uh, welcome to the podcast. Can you just tell us a bit about yourselves? Yeah, um, I suppose Goldray is me, which is Kenwin, and, uh, and her, which is Leah. It's a him and her thing, and Goldray is our... Uh, yeah, it is, and it's, it's our creative um, playground. Really. The, the influences that you mentioned uh, that have inspired you with psychedelia. Yeah. You know, this is, this is the thing. I mean, the roots of psychedelia really is about consciousness, freedom, and psychedelia really runs through all styles of music. It isn't just uh, like a psychedelic rock thing. It runs through Eastern world music. I mean, both Kevin and I've been very influenced with all of that. And uh, myself, I've studied a lot of different sort of ethnic styles and cultural styles of singing. With this is what I love and where the voice can go. Kenwin, as well, at the same, you know, you're going to John McLaughlin and... Yeah, yeah, Mahavishnu stuff as well. I've done, I mean, yeah, I do, I, I, I've even, yeah, I do, it's, in, I've, it's, 
60s psychedelia as well was very influenced by Eastern, Eastern music as well. So yeah, it has has had an effect. Has and it runs through sort of dance music, acid house. I mean, Kevin and I were saying the other day that we don't think psychedelia has ever really ended when it when it was born in the 60s and the well, really sort of you could say psychedelia has always been there. What is psychedelia? It's kind of the expression of consciousness through music and you know Indian music and sort of all the sort of Eastern styles have a very mystic. It comes from spirituality, really. Spirituality within music and freedom of expression, which means you can go anywhere. And when you when that's in music, uh, uh, modern music, it, it's now being personified in sort of you. You had your acid house, and now we've got the, what we call psychedelic rock, and it's. Uh, it's an exciting well, I freedom. We've been very influenced by that era as well. But it was an era of great freedom. It was an era, I, I suppose, the actual uh, the psychedelics themselves, like um, the influence that LSD and psilocybin mm -hmm. and had on the culture, was a, was in some in some respects quite liberating and separated people from the the, the, the program that was running before that, which was a very sort of Stepford Wives, uh, you know, um, must have been a dreadful time to be. I mean, before rock and roll, like you know, what did what did John Lennon says? Before Elvis, there was nothing. You know, there wasn't. You know, there was no sexuality in music. There was nothing of any. You know, and, and from that point, given ten years from when Elvis came along to when like the Beatles made Sgt. Pepper, there is such a massive explosion in creativity. I mean, it's like you could see it in the beginning with Elvis, but by, by the time Sgt. Pepper came, I mean like the, the Beatles started like just playing rock and roll. And by the end of it, there were, you know, there were synthesizers on the last Beatles album. Do you know what I mean? What was the what was the kind of catalyst uh, for you guys to, to go off in, in your direction? Uh, do you know what? We just you... wanted to make the music that inspired us. We would, uh, yeah, we've had our various backgrounds. I came from dance music and came when had Reef. And yeah. Sort of, we didn't expect to be doing psychedelic rock. No. First, we started playing around with a more indie kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and we thought, this seems a bit shallow. We don't know where we want to go. And we just became more experimental. I mean, I've studied sort of... Um, sort of world music styles of singing and Kenwin had been doing stuff like that too and in his in his own study but we'd never you know I mean I'd done some of that kind of style in dance music and things but we'd not we suddenly found ourselves experimenting with stuff and getting sitars in and wanting to sort of get a bit more cosmic yeah they got influenced by the sort of Indian Ravi Shankar and all of that and uh, when you start spreading out then the world's your oyster. You can just do anything, and it became really exciting for us. It's an, it is an excuse to be able to do anything you like. Really. Yeah, yeah. Anything. absolutely. And we're not. We don't really class ourselves as a psychedelic. No, band. no. We kind of go anywhere. We, we've got, you know, it's that freedom to be anything. It's what the song wants, really. Mm -hmm. what and, wants. and what about when when you're kind of jamming? Um, I think in the in the past you've mentioned psychedelics have played a bit of part in the menu sort of <laughs> yeah i think i think so i mean i think that um i think psychedelics uh have had a very positive effect on both us as individuals and on society i mean used used responsibly of course children but <laughs> i think i think that um i give people enough uh, intelligence to 
to um, expand their consciousness in ways that see fit to them. And I know that that has affected our music yeah. and how and how we've how we you know. Well, it's the consciousness of the world. I mean, if we have an alcohol-based society, there seems to be a lot of aggression and violence and pent-up emotion mm-hmm. that comes out not in the right way. Whereas when these uh, uh, um, plants or consciousness-expanding things are used in a consciousness-expanding way, such as every single tribe and culture has used psychedelics in order to expand and grow. Yeah. And within one night of having something like that, you can it's like 10 years of therapy, and it really is. Yeah. And, and a lot more fun. All the work of Professor Nutt at the moment. You know, we're really into his work, and there's some very interesting um, uh, healing sort of a- uh, angles on the science and therapy mm. being used microdosing at yeah. the moment. And uh, people that have been on. Uh, I mean, the thing here is we're we're very into. I mean, nature has provided everything we need, and I think we have to be very careful with. Um, how far we go down the pharmaceutical route and i think there needs to be a balance personally between you know the the medical the more sort of allopathic and the and the more natural and mm-hmm. the two need each other rather than one without the other and i don't think people always need antidepressants and i and i do think that they are just dished out and they're, they're it, it's a business isn't it but uh, uh, you know there's a deeper route to this kind of thing you know, just having someone from something for, for for something like that is not always the right way you know but can be sometimes you absolutely know. i mean f- from my perspective i'm less likely to prescribe an antidepressant before looking at the social factors um the, you know the, what's going on at home what's going on at work um and what's going on with the diet with I mean, they did a massive test apparently in America. I mean, this uh, Dr. McCullough was mentioning this about how they did uh, one of the biggest tests on uh, on uh, um, uh, on uh, good bacteria of the stomach in mental homes, mm-hmm. and uh, they just gave uh, um, acidophilus and you know sauerkraut and you know all the live bacteria. Yeah everybody and after a month nearly everybody seemed normal so you think well hang on a minute you know the good bacteria the chinese say you know the stomach rules rules the mind you know and a lot of depression actually does come from you know an overrun of candida people we're living in a society with a lot of alcohol a lot of sugar a lot of white bread and all these carbs that you know people are just raging with candida and bad bacteria the microbiome is disrupted and that's disrupting everything else yeah and also on top of that the intense amount i mean the intense amount of stress and and traumatic experiences that people have have gone through in in a world where you know war is very very common uh people are encouraged to compete i mean in a way this whole lockdown time has been uh, a liberating time in Mm -hmm. some respects even though it's been awful in other respects because people have had a break from having to be constantly on the treadmill you know Mm -hmm. and i think that combined with other things well that is another element to why people can sometimes be depressed and i've even experienced yeah and i've experienced in at certain times obviously you get traumatic experiences that that can you know screw with your mind for a while as well and I mean I, I personally have found that um, the, the use of microdosing certain psychedelics is I've managed to really totally change my um, my, my my depression in the past mm-hmm. in the past I had depression uh, to a small degree and rather than seek um, 
you know, ph- you know, pharmaceutical way. I thought I'd try that first. Mm. You know what I mean? And do you know what it worked? And was was this kind of during the kind of touring with Reef back in in the nineties? Or was it kind of the kind of break that you had from 2003 to 10? I think a lot of that stuff happened to me in break. I mean, I, when I was younger, I, I was, I had, you know, I had experience of, uh, in a positive way, experience of psychedelics. But while I was with Reef, I was so busy and I became very, you know, it was a, it was 10 years of intense touring and um, public scrutiny, which, I, I found it, you know, very rare, rare times of self introspection. Yeah. I found a, a time when I, you know, it was like very, very busy and, and not much spiritual introspection. But the time after that was the time when I needed a break. Mm-hmm. And, and I, me and Leah got together and um, we've been on a bit of a spiritual uh, journey ever since. And our, our music and, and is part of that, you know. It's, it's very important to find that balance when you're touring is yeah. to, uh, I mean, we're really into meditating every morning and, and it just sets the day and mm-hmm. it lowers your stress levels and you can cope with life better. Mm-hmm. You make better choices. And when you're touring, it's difficult to integrate what, you know, that the, 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 the harmony and balance and routine yeah. that you may find at home and to, to bring that in. But I think, you know, exercise is a very important thing. So when we're touring, we always make sure we go out for a run, we dance, we do yoga, you know, we, 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 you know, we meditate and do some press ups and it, some, you, know. you know, get that in with it all mm-hmm. as well, because it, 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 all the excitement as well, you know, it's it, amazing, it, exciting. I mean, it's exciting, but can it sometimes bubble over into anxiety pre-show? Uh, uh, we're quite positive before show, but it's it's more ner- yeah, very nervous, mm. but in a, a powerful way because you're you're becoming well. For us, we feel we're becoming something else, which is almost like you know, your, your higher self, <laughs> yeah, some other yeah. being takes you over on stage, and you're coming into that being. Wow. You know, as you're about to go on stage, it's quite a so a tr- transformation sort of thing. Yeah. Do you know what the funny thing is? You know, I mean, like stressful experiences uh, can have a, I mean, like con- if you're constantly excited and you never get any peace, even though they're positive experiences, it can end up giving you a form of anxiety almost, almost as much as you would if you get from like negative stress experiences mm-hmm. you, you know you i think regardless of how positive or negative your experience is somewhere you need peace in between it so you get a chance to like reset yourself so it's, it's the in breath and the out breath the yin and the yang the, the the letting go you've got to empty your garbage garbage can of uh, uh, regularly daily of, of, of energy it's and, built up energy isn't it in your body and uh, it can be difficult. To, it it can be difficult to do that uh, when you're when you're really really excited. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we try to try to. Anyway. And yeah. then when you're on when you're performing when you're on stage, I guess that's when you're kind of self actualizing. That's probably when you're you're most free. Yes, I feel my most the most myself the most free on stage it's mm-hmm. really weird but I just that feels so comfortable on stage it's just you're free flying with the universe aren't you and just, it's and you're it's for, for me I, I do as well but I also feel it's like it's an, it's an, it's a test yeah. to, to be able to be yourself and 
play your music at the same time because yeah. it's a challenge. It is a bit like walking a tightrope. It is. Mm. At any moment, you can fall off, <laughs> uh, which which keeps you focused. And if yeah. you're gonna, if you can fall off a tightrope, there's no time for like drifting off or not being no. present in any way. So you have to be. So it's a challenge. It's an initiation mm. going on stage, and which is. Which is why we, why we probably... Trying to, when you've got sound problems, especially... Yeah, I was going to say, so yeah. if you've got, you know, in-ear monitors or do you have um, sort of monitors, if there's problems with the sound check, how do you kind of balance that with, you know... Uh, <laughs> that must be a biggie. You know our pain, don't you? I want to know about it. <laughs> do you know what? When you're touring and you've got the whole... When you're on bigger stages and you've got a whole crew and you've got a monitor guy, it just gets better and better. And in the end, you 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 know, it's still still open to sort of you know the the, the element of chaos. However, yeah. but you're you're more likely to. But when when it's sort of one off gigs and whatever, it can mm. be quite a challenge when you've had great rehearsals. You go into an environment and you sound like you're and totally it, on a different. And it sounds like a washing machine on full spin. And you can't hear yourself at all, yeah. and, like, and you have to just. Uh, you real, have to you have to continue. You know. It's it's probably more so for a singer, I suppose, because they're you mm -hmm. know like a, like a, a, on in a smaller stage, a drum kit and a guitar amp, pretty much going at it. It's going to be a pretty hard thing to come up against if the monitor man or woman is not going to give you what you need in that moment. Okay. But it's like it's kind of it it can feel a bit like trying to land a plane in the dark with no landing lights. <laughs> The, the worst thing is, is that you, you know, you can sing out of tune if you haven't got your right. You can't hear guitarist, yeah. or you can't hear, and it's not because you're necessarily, you know, singers, and not, it's not necessarily because they're a bad singer or whatever. And someone will go, "Oh my God, they sung so badly out of tune of that gig," and it could have been that literally they couldn't hear a single thing, you know. And yeah. you're you're put in that environment. And you have to continue. A great, there was a great inspirational lesson to me once when we went to see um, Perry Farrell sing, wasn't it? Was it yeah. the, was James it the, Addiction. Was it the closing night at the, uh, what was it called? The End? It was the end. It was the end. It, just the end. as the end, the club, the end was closing. It was one of the last gigs when James Addiction just turned up. And they were, it was such a great show, but literally there was no vocal at all. <laughs> Very, quiet. Sang, Very quiet. Very quiet. He couldn't hear it at all. And you could tell he was he had having to do a the, hard time. Yeah, he had to do the whole gig not hearing his uh, vocals at all and he wasn't in in ears he was relying on the monitor mm -hmm. but he had such great energy and he just he performed amazingly and he put it all into his performance and it was for the whole gig right until the end no vocals so it's well, quite very, a yeah it was a kind of pretty pretty quiet wasn't it it was like huts you could you could you didn't it was it's it very inspiring to see him not you know not freak out mm. when you're in that situation are you going to meditation that you do in the rest of the day to kind of dig you out of tricky spots <laughs> like that because like for us when we're doing medicine you might be doing a procedure some some invasive procedure and you you know you have to really get yourself back into being mindful as what absolutely. am i doing what am i doing this for yeah. <laughs> each yeah. step absolutely what's it like for you well, I suppose for us, I mean, with someone like you, you're actually doing something that is vitally important. You know, I mean, in one way, there. This is the this is the joy of music because if we do fuck up, um, then uh, no no one will have a bad reaction or die. Well, I mean, with people like you, you're, you're incredibly brave, and we, you know, absolutely, it's and, amazing. And it's amazing what you. Do. In fact, my sister's actually a doctor as well, and I say this to her, and I say, 
you know, like if, if I have a bad day at the office, you know, no, at least no one's going to have a, have a, have a bad experience. Yeah. And I just think it's such a, it's, it takes a certain kind of person with a, you know, that sort of, sort of focus. I think it's brilliant. Because that is an extreme form of meditation to be able to come into the moment or to do mm. surgery or to, uh, anything pressure. like that, you know, but it does feel like that for us. It and it, to be honest, it feels as important as that, that for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing... <laughs> but it, obviously it's not, but I mean, it feels like that. When you're on stage, the last thing you want to do is... is, is you know, but it, I mean, it is your art. It is your art, isn't it? And so everything that you've, you're working towards, everything that you are trying to embody, is that. So if it it's not like quite it, exactly. It's like you're flying a plane. You know, when you're when you're when I'm singing on stage and the sound isn't particularly, I'm really like tailoring it to try to pitch perfectly. You mm -hmm. know, make it work and. Yeah, all all musicians are and it's to be a, as perfect as possible. And it's a similar thing. To the, I mean, the one thing is, like, I mean, yeah, it's like that. There's a lot of experiences I've had where I can't hear what I need to do, um, and it is very. It's like landing a plane in the fog without lights and without any kind of electronic device. And it, and most of the time, you do. I mean, there was one time in on the stage with Reef. I remember just. Honestly, it was one of the first times I'd ever been on a massive stage, and it was at the Flower Festival in Ireland. And uh, the drums were just a, like, they looked like they were like in another postcode, they were so far away. And it was like, oh my God, I'm used to, I was just playing smaller yeah. places at the time. And, and all I could hear was this massive rumble. I couldn't even tell what, what was what. I couldn't even tell, you know, what part of this. It was really strange. However, got back to the hotel that night. And I saw one of our songs on TV and it sounded pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I still don't know how that actually happened. Well, but it's all those rehearsals, you see. So in the end, it, you can just mumble it, jumble your way through it. Muscle it memory. It's muscle yeah. memory, isn't it? And there's lots of rehearsals. But also perhaps a separation of the subjective perception at the time from then yeah. an objective yeah. view as well. Yeah. Feel it. Just feel your way. I think that it's interesting you say well, you, you do have to control your anxiety and your, your consciousness and focus your intent on something yeah. to make it work. in the moment work. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you cannot fail. You cannot panic because when you do, that's when it really goes wrong. You know, you're always going to be challenged. You've got to be, uh, uh, believe it's working. You've got to feel it's working. That's what all great athletes and, you know, you can't go in as a loser. You've got to go in as a winner. Yeah. But failure is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how, that's how a surgeon goes in. Failure is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make this incision and it's going to be perfect. <laughs> Part of delivering under pressure is preparation. Leah, what, yeah. do, you, what do you do for your sort of vocal preparation and, and protecting something that can you know if it fails you're pretty much you're in some hot water aren't you absolutely and that that's why i'm very into vocal health it's absolutely mm. essential I and mean, i don't drink any alcohol at all when i'm i don't smoke anyway but um i don't drink alcohol around singing or within a couple of days of singing um because it does affect the vocal cords and i always do warm-ups i do my exercises at pretty much every day if i'm drinking we, we drink moderately you know we, do, we sort of drink once a week once every couple of weeks mm. um we like a social sort of drink to relax but we're pretty health conscious really and we kind of notice the effects that alcohol has on us but it has a great beneficial social so you kind of got to counteract these things haven't you with mm -hmm. what you're going to do to your body with how you're going to work it but 
you know, vocal exercises are very important. And uh, before the gig, uh, the morning of the gig, uh, like quite a few hours before, gentle warm up. And then a slightly more um, a thorough warm up before the show. And then it doesn't fail. It always works for you. I've, I've worked out what works for me and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't let me down now. So I'm really. So that's a good thing. But, you know, that's the, the problem with the early years of singing. You have to go through all these painful sort of figuring it out. And you can't cut back on practice and warm up. Mm -hmm. So vocal health and, and cool downs as well. So that's a challenge for me because I come off stage and instantly people are talking to me and they want to sort of chat to me or there could be a journalist or and you've got loud music and you're having to shout. But... It's incredibly important to drain off the blood from the vocal cords because you can actually burst blood vessels. So you have to harm and do your cool dance like you do with exercise, you know. So, yeah, trying to get that in and quickly avoid people for 10 minutes while I... <laughs> so, so that would make sense if, if I see you running away, <laughs> trying to ask you questions <laughs> after you come off. <laughs> Not being difficult, it's just protecting. Yeah, okay. I'll be humming in between the words and I'll be like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, Cameron, and, uh, sort of, you know, when you've had that huge buzz of that interaction on stage, um, what, what happens the bit after? Um, how does it, how, how do you negotiate that? Because it's a sudden change. Is it like a decompression or is it a. It is. It is a bit. Well, you kind of. There's a, there's a time where, you know, you're, you, you, need a, you need a few moments just to reacclimatize, just get your breath under control again, try and be normal. Uh, remember, Channel the energy. Remember what normal is. Um, and, uh, yeah, if, if people come in and interrupt that space a little bit too soon, this, mm. I noticed it can really, it can really, really screw with your mojo. And uh, kind of make you feel really overexposed, like someone's just walked in while you're changing or something, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like that, I always found that this is one thing Gary in Reef was very, very strong. And he said, just give me 10 minutes, 15 minutes after I come off stage before anyone wants to come in for autographs or go and do a meet and greet. Because mm. do you know what? You're not quite yourself, you know, yeah. until you kind of come back in the very tripped out actually it is almost as if you've done it, acid it is, yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is consciousness expanding yeah, it is and you need to sort of like harness that a little bit and go okay i'm gonna have to talk to people uh i'm ready for that uh do a bit of breathing drink some water have some quiet time and then go right i can face the world that's how it works Do you think sort of for the artist, maybe the kind of promotion and that kind of bit of of the job is the hardest then? In some ways, in some ways it is. I mean, I mean having nice conversations with people at like you isn't a problem, but mm -hmm. there are, there's a lot of having to talk with people, hang around people in a business sense, um, you know, meeting and greeting, uh, which are... Quite it can be enjoyable, but it can also be a little bit awkward as well. You might—it's very difficult to sort of meet people who are, um, who are—you know—everyone's can be a bit nervous. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? These nervous, tense situations. But the actual work of sort of promoting yourself—that self-promotion is quite a difficult one, isn't it? You've got to—you know—you're—you go talk about yourself, talk about your thing a lot 
it's like, not I, I, easy for creative people to do that, maybe. Mm. You know? it's, it's really nice to actually meet the fans. I like a bit of meeting the fans afterwards because you get you get to get the feedback. I mean, if you just sort of dive into your dressing room and never ever see anybody, it's nice to interact, to have some interaction. But, you know, you can't do it for too long because you've got to save some of your energy for the next day. And there's a kind of, especially as a singer, I can't do a lot of talking after a show. But it's really nice to get the feedback and see how it went. And that that really inspires you to keep going. It's amazing, especially after you what you feel you've had a bad gig, like as in challenging, oh, couldn't hear myself or my in-ears stopped working or la, la, la. Mm. And somebody comes up to you and goes, wow, that was amazing. You sung so well. Oh, brilliant. You know, it's kind of, it's that sort of, and it is nice to meet some of the business people that you're working with because you you know you're you're on email you're on phone call and then at the gigs gives you a chance to actually, oh wow so that's you yeah you know it's a balance isn't it of um, you know as Cameron saying you need your own sort of space as well to recover and then there's that it's nice to have that sort of interaction a bit afterwards you know so you know the promotion is a nice part of it as long as it's not you know it's difficult when you're when you're a band like us for self-releasing it's hard there's more of that organization and business which makes it difficult and challenging to be able to make the music and the you know the, the band side of it which takes a, up so much time yeah there's a, there's um it's difficult to be i mean our, our natural skill set is not necessarily um office space mm. business work you know yeah. sat behind the computer doing emails and talking to people and negotiating and this and that and in fact in, in many ways if you spend a lot of time doing that it, it can kind of really sort of dampen the creative side mm. of your mind so we have to balance that we have to like uh, really cut out you you can't do a whole load of like business emails and interaction and organization and talking to people and then within half an hour go and write a great song it's it, it you have to go one day you try and separate it as much as you can do the business on that day and go right today we're going to play some music a bit uh let's focus on that and then you seem to get better results yeah. it uses different parts of the brain i mean in neuroscience you use totally different parts of the brain when you're creative mm -hmm. you're doing your okay. office list and you can't channel sort of the divine creativity of the universe when you've been sitting there sort of uh, with a massive list on the computer no, you definitely cannot access it via excel no so what's it like um when you know when you were last touring um what kind of schedules were you doing and you know how do you how do you kind of exist in that that touring space in between the actual performance well, some days there's, there's travel days, you know, mm. the travel days, you, you look at your list and you go, there's a, there's a day off? No, you're actually traveling from Edinburgh down to Bristol that day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a lot of the days off are traveling. That's yeah. challenging because that's the thing I find the hardest is having to sit for hours and hours and hours. I'm not a good person at, I don't think it's very good for you to sit mm. for long periods of time anyway. So that's quite a challenge, that, having to sort of get up a lot and, mm. uh, you know, entertain yourself while you're traveling. There are challenges of being on tour. I mean, the, 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 the day is very much focused around the end result in the evening. And there's always a certain tension to a gig day as well. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you can't quite relax. Your, your, your appetite's not quite as high. 
until you've done that gig, you don't quite relax. You know what I mean? Mm. Try to eat healthily when you haven't got catering. You know, it's great if you've got caterers and they can, uh, you know, create food you like to eat. So that's yeah. quite a thing as well. And that can bring your energy down if you're not eating the right food. That's a challenge. I, I remember, I mean, I'm not a vegetarian now, but for many years in Reef, I was a vegetarian. And I, uh, when we were doing a lot of touring at that time, I was... I lost a lot of weight because I, there was a lot of stuff I couldn't, especially in America, it was really hard to find the food that I, yeah. need, I needed to eat. And I cracked while I was in America. I remember getting, <laughs> getting, to, getting to Los Angeles and George Draculius, uh, our producer, we, we, we were doing some rehearsals to, before we were to record our second album. And uh, he came in with this massive, massive tray of barbecue chicken. It, it, it broke me. It broke me. I've been. I felt like I was mal malnourished, and the, the barbecue chicken came out at a weak moment. Well, you were. You probably needed some protein. I you know, being did. vegetarian, eating, thinking. Yeah, I was probably you know, just a lot of carbs. Exactly, probably. Quite often. I mean, from, from my kind of perspective, similar, you know, I go up and down in uh, the country doing different festivals and, you know, the kind of food that you get at festival sites might not be the most healthy and by the and end of it, you kind of just want something simple and earthy and, and nourishing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, this is it. Uh, we eat a lot of raw food, that's quite hard to... All right. We're on the road. <laughs> I mean, we're not exclusively raw food. I mean, you know, we try and eat a lot of salads, which we eat sort of, you know, a big kind of like avocado smoothie in the morning. And, do you know what I mean? Get yeah. that kind of thing in Green first. Smoothies, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. But it's I totally agree. It that, is just challenging for us at the moment. I, I agree that that, that, um, uh, that wanting that simplicity and... Yeah, get get back to what your body wants. I mean, it's nicely. I I love. Don't get me wrong. I love going out. I love eating out. But as long as the majority of my food is kind of what my body wants, I, I feel good. We try to stick to the sort of seventy thirty rule or the eighty twenty rule, where eighty percent of the time your your diet is pretty much perfect, or seventy percent, mm -hmm. and then. At the weekends, we'll eat whatever we want. But even when we eat whatever we want, we don't eat Mars bars and crap like that. We're very, we're quite, it'll be green and black chocolate or <laughs> nice roast dinner down the pub and, and, a, and a pint. <laughs> a glass of red. Pub? What's, what, what's a pub? What <laughs> <laughs> oh. These are the things from the past. Oh. <laughs> and the words, words that sort of... They sound strange. Talking of mental health, though, earlier, mm. you know, I can say, I would think, you know, this lockdown in a way has been amazing in so many ways for people, as in, you know, relationships and people, people have hardly ever, guys that have hardly ever spent time with their kids because they're always at work and suddenly spending more time with their wives and their kids. And there's been a lot more sort of relationships, okay, more, more sort of domestic rows, but people are getting to know each other, getting to see. What's, what's underneath and, and the priorities have changed about you know the, the focus has gone more on community and how is your neighbor and people helping each other out and but you know my concern is how we go into the winter because I think there'll probably be another lockdown and how you know especially people on their own and people that are more 
inclined for mental health problems, you know, as to people's mental state of mind in the next time, in the winter, in the cold months, and, when and that kind of thing. It's more difficult to go and sit in a park and, uh, yeah. you know. And, and just, you know, this is it, people stuck in a, you know. So I think throughout the winter, we, this is where I think a lot of us creatives can, can in, in our way, you know, try to help to put some content to keep people positive and happy. And That's one of the reasons we decided to release this record during this time. Mm -hmm. Because there was, there was with, our, with our team, we went, oh, my God, um, uh, Armageddon. And then all of a sudden we went, should we still release so many bands have postponed or cancelled releases because they can't tour around it and it has been a massive a massive impact probably the i mean in, this industry has probably been affected m most savagely or one of the one of the yeah. industries yeah. that has been affected most savagely because our main income stream these days since streaming and since the whole internet thing is has been the live performance thing so yeah. it, it's been Pretty harsh times in some respects, but we decided that we were we were just ready to go at the point when lockdown happened, and we thought, should we hold back? I mean, we don't know how long we're going to be holding back for for a start, and we also thought if there is going to be this sort of prolonged time where people won't be able to get out and go to gigs and what have you, they will need new music. So, what what are we holding back for? What's our job for, really? Is out there to give people joy? And how, yeah. Exactly. To entertain people, and no, what better time than now is that a thing, really? Yeah. You know. So you know, maybe the, maybe it's not the ideal time for us in a financial sense to actually, you know, tour our record. But who knows? Maybe more people will find out about us during this time. So. And and where can they get get access to you guys then? Where can we find you? So um, if you go on our Facebook, Goldray Facebook, or our Instagram. Um, that you or our uh, website goldroyband.com and we're goldroyband on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find the, the the link to all our to our videos, to our to our, the pre-order for the album. We've got amazing vinyl actually. It was quite lucky because a lot of the vinyl factories have closed down during this time, and uh, we mixed the album in uh, Sweden at Spinroad Studios uh, with Pedro Ferreira. And he has opened a fantastic vinyl factory downstairs, Spin Road Factories. And so we managed to actually get vinyl sorted. So we're really excited. Some super, about that. super rare in the COVID era. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's, now being, that's now available. People can pre order that. So we've got some limited edition vinyl and CDs. And so, yeah, we're really excited about that. We've only just announced it a few days ago. So it'll be on all our sites. And uh, yeah, we've got loads of great sort of merch and t-shirts and things like that too, new stuff for the new album. Before normal touring and, and performances come back, are you going to be doing stuff like sort of uh, streaming as well or is that going to be on the horizon? Yeah. Some gigs? We're going to be doing quite a lot. We've got a lot of ideas, a lot, a lot more music videos, some acoustic stuff. We're not an acoustic band. We are a big rock band. Mm. The thing is, it's all about our show coming to see us and there's a whole... So the acoustic thing doesn't really show what we are, but it, it, it's nice to see the strip back us. It shows will, what Kev, how Kevin and I wrote the songs. We will be doing a, we will be doing a, a, um, a sort of more stripped back versions of some of our songs and we're hoping um, with... Uh, with what's going on, hopefully it'll allow us to meet up with our drummer and bass player in mm. a place where we can actually play some music and rehearse some of these songs. And if we do get that 
we're going to record some uh, live live versions of the songs. Um, if we if we manage to get uh, streaming facilities and filming, and we feel in a position where we can offer a good a good experience, mm -hmm. we may do that. This is these are ideas we are thinking about because we have to think around. Full band is what we're hoping. We mm -hmm. have to think around this. The um, you know the Heritage. restrictions. Yeah. Mm. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for um, sharing your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's really cool. Ah, no worries. Really nice to really nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be cool to catch up uh, when we don't all have to be very socially distant. Um, but you know, just like for me, um, you know, I was supposed to be doing loads of festival medical stuff in tents, um, yeah. but COVID's kind of given me a catalyst to do something different, and now I'm doing a little yeah. podcast thing. Um, right. It's been a lot of fun. I've had some really interesting guests. I've had. Saudi Arabia's first female paramedics. I've wow. had, you know, researchers from Australia that are into um, mass gatherings. I've just today interviewed the uh, the medical director um, for Glasto, um, and then I've just had a chat with you guys. So you know, um, it's in a way the kind of distancing thing has been an opportunity to connect to people that you may not have usually have connected to. Hi, I'm Sam from Reflex Medical and we're really pleased to be working in association with the Roadie Medic. We're your complete one-stop shop for pre-hospital care equipment, from bandages to defibrillators and everything in between. Our range is continually expanding and is comprised of some of the leading brands in the pre-hospital arena. We only sell equipment we would be happy using in our own event medical work as we know our customers deserve the best. We can supply bespoke and fully kitted bags and can offer leasing or hire options to help you get started. Contact us today on hello at reflexmedical.co.uk or give us a call on 0800 862 0344.
Get 10% off everything in our range when you use the code RODIMEDIC at checkout at reflexmedical.co.uk. There's no minimum order and delivery is free when you spend £20 or more.